It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Time with Fred. This is a podcast that features timely, insightful, motivating, and empowering life lessons. And today I have with me Miss Kelly Falado joining us from British Columbia to share her powerful story. Uh, Kelly is a speaker, is a an author, and is a coach. Um, Kelly has a, a remarkable story that um, she's been sharing really um, all around the world. She's an author of five books, four of which are bestsellers. She uses her tragedy, her life struggles, and relationship with self as proof that beauty is actually self-defined. Kelly's books have uh, planted the seeds for her speaking career. Um, the Still Beautiful documentary, you probably saw a little snippet of that on my, um, on my live coach page, but she'll be sharing a little bit about that as well. But uh, Kelly has graced international stages all over the world, sharing her story and inspiring people of all ages to re-examine uh, their relationship and perspective to beauty. So without much ado, I'm going to uh, bring Kelly on the line and we're going to get started right away. Okay, tell us a little bit about who you are and, um, and, and what you do, just so our, our audiences and our listeners tonight can have an idea of, uh, of, of who Kelly is. Who's Kelly? Well, um, you know, you did a great job of introducing me. Uh, and you're right, I got burnt as a two-year-old to 75% of my body. We lived on a farm at the time, and my cousins were the only singles in the fire. And a spark came out, and it landed on my dress, and I exploded. And so I ended up with burns to 75% of my body. So I spent four months in the hospital. Every two days, I'd have to go in the operating room for surgery. And then every two years, until I was, you know, 20 years old, I'd have to go back to the hospital and spend a whole month of my summer holidays in the hospital. And so I, you know... I, I'm no stranger to the hospital, <laughs> wow. you know, and and my whole life was all about, you know, me uh, having better mobility and me wanting to feel beautiful and being loved and accepted by people. And, you know, I, I faced tons of staring and teasing and bullying and, you know, people shunning me, you know, and people didn't even want to look at me because they didn't like how ugly my scars were. And so I know there's been times when I didn't even get certain jobs because people couldn't look past my scars. Hmm. So, um, you know, eventually I did overcome all that. I did end up getting married when I was, um, actually I met the man who became my husband when I was 20 and we lived together for 10 years and then got married. And then we were married for 14. And then, uh, 10 years ago, I decided that I was going to, I wasn't in love with him anymore. And, there was we were in a very toxic marriage and I decided decided to end the marriage mm. and we had three beautiful kids and um yeah so that that's the, the overall wow I mean you, you packed you packed what about 20 30 40 50 years or so right into all of that but how's life Kelly like for you I mean since with a burn and how was life like growing growing up I mean in terms of you know, feeling normal, right? Going to school, you didn't mention the bullying, which I know we're going to be talking about here a little bit. How how did that change your life after that incident? Well, you know, I remember when I was in grade five, 
And I remember walking past my teacher's desk, and I saw a picture that someone had drawn of me. And I know it was me because I was the only Scarface girl in the room. And this picture was a circle and had scribbles all over it, and it said Scarface on it. And I was devastated because I thought, I get it. So they really are calling me the Scarface girl. And I was half deaf, so I didn't hear a lot of the, the teasing and the bullying, but, but it was happening, and I did hear some of it. And so, you know, I was devastated because I knew my scars would never go away. You know, like I used to think, like if someone is overweight, they can just go on a diet and then they lose their title of being the fat girl, you know, or someone who's being called four eyes. They just have to get contacts and they don't have to wear glasses anymore and they lose their title. Whereas me, Scarface, I knew my scars were going to be there forever because my doctor had been doing all kinds of surgeries on me and nothing was taking my scars away. And so I knew I was going to be the Scarface girl forever. And I never thought I'd be loved. I never thought I would ever have kids. I just didn't think it was in the picture for me because I was the ugly Scarface girl and nobody was, you know, is going to love the ugly girl. Like that was what I believed back in those days. And no, no, no pun intended there, but uh, Kelly, you 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 fit the 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 very description of turning your scars into stars, right? I mean, you you had the the literal scars, right, uh, from 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 the tragedy that that you went through. At what point did you did you realize that you had to turn things around? At what point did you start telling your story? How, how did it all happen for you? You know, I think I had multiple times. And I think one of the biggest times that, like, the biggest turning point I had, well, I'm going to tell two, two of them. So one was when I was 18. I wanted to know why I'd lived. Because being burnt back in 1968 to a two-year-old who, you know, basically most of my body, I shouldn't have lived. And it's interesting because I've met my doctor who saved my life. I, I met him just last year, and he was telling me, that um tell you you are not supposed to live hmm. like i'm shocked that you're still alive right like that that was the the level of you know the, the, the they didn't think i was going to live mm -hmm. there was multiple times in the operating room where i almost died um so so that was one of my turning points when i was 18 and i i wanted to know why did i live um and then when probably i was in my 40s my early 40s what happened was me and my husband at the time, we went to a garage sale. And this lady says, she took one look at me and she said to me, they couldn't do better than that. Wow. And I was shocked. I was like, oh, I was so devastated. I was like, really? I wanted to deck her. I was so hurt. And I turned around and I looked at her and I said, you know what? I happen to think I look pretty damn good. And mm -hmm. I walked away. And I got in the car, and my husband said, Kel, she didn't mean it that way. And I said, she mentioned how she said it. And I know what she meant. She meant, why couldn't they take some, do some sort of magic surgery on you and take your scars away, and mm -hmm. then you could be beautiful? And I started thinking, and I thought, you know what? Like, not once have my kids or my family or any of my friends ever said to me, Mom or Kel, I would love you more if you were scarless. And I thought, why am I letting a complete stranger take my power away when 
not once has anybody in my family or my circle of friends said to me that I needed to be scarlet in order for them to love me. And that was when I had my turning point because people would say to me, Kel, like after five minutes of talking to you, I don't see your scars anymore. Mm. And I said, well, why is that? They're still there. Physically, the scars are still there. Mm-hmm. So why are you not seeing them? Mm-hmm. And, and that would bother me when people would say that. Because I'm like, I don't understand. The scars are there. And it took till I was in my you know, late 40s when I finally realized, oh, hang on. They're not seeing your scars because they see your spirit. They see your energy. They see your mm-hmm. smile. They mm-hmm. see your laughter. They, they feel you. Mm-hmm. They feel everything about you. That's why they're not seeing your scars. And so the, the thing is, and this is one of the biggest reasons that I am out sharing my story, yeah. is because people have to realize that it's not about what we look like. Right. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. And, every, and there's so many people out there that think that we have to be perfect yes. and we have to be flawless in order to be beautiful. Yes. And I am living proof that you don't have to be. That's that's that, that's powerful. And okay, I've got to take you back again. Uh, I know you probably touched on that, but uh, in, in school, right, and, and dealing with, and, and this is something that happens even today, right? You know, kids go to school and they, you know, they're, they're being bullied for for whatever reason. Um, h- how did you endure that? Were there any ways that were? I mean, how did that impact you? I mean, yeah, I imagine going to school and, you know, hearing all these snickers from from your friends and you know they calling you all sorts of names. How did you deal with those 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 years, right, of growing up and, and dealing with all of that negativity? How how did you even concentrate on on your studies? I mean, how did you how do you how did you do that? <laughs> well, you know, and it is difficult, right? And especially in today's age, because kids nowadays are so bombarded by social media. I mean, they're bombarded with social media twenty four hours a day. Whereas the fortunate thing with me growing up when I did, we didn't have any social media. So it was almost like you had two different lives. You had your school life and then you had your home life. And, and be, because we lived on a farm, I could have those two separate lives. You know, mm-hmm. I had my, my family and my friends, you know, that I hung out with that, you know, loved and supported me and didn't care that I had scars. And they weren't teasing me and bullying me. And then I'd go to school and I would have, you know, the, the teasing and the bullying um, fortunately, I was half deaf, so I didn't hear some of it. But, you know, th- I think back when I was a child, and one of the things that I used to do was I would always fantasize about what I wanted my life to look like. Mm-hmm. So I would be under the tree dreaming about, you know, having that special guy in my life that loved me and adored me and called me beautiful, mm-hmm. no matter, even though I had scars on me. I would fantasize about what I wanted my life to look like. I, I learned to also tune people out. So I learned how to ignore people. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned not to fight the battle. And, you know, I mean, there were times when I would be rude to people. Mm-hmm. You know, if people were staring at me, I'd say, who are you staring at? You know, or people would say to me, you know, what happened to you? I would say, nothing. What happened to you? You know, mm-hmm. like I would come up with these snide comments when I was a teenager. But uh, for the most part, I learned to tune it out and not let it get to me. Uh, I what I call it now is I actually call it my happy land. Yeah. So uh, this is one of my perseverance tools that I have. So I have drama land and well, we all have drama land and we have happy land. 
So we have a choice. Are we going to focus on drama land and all the stuff that is harming us and hurting us? Or are we going to focus on our happy land, which makes us feel empowered and loved and loving and, and makes us feel like we have a great life? And so that's what I would do is I would tune out the drama and the negative stuff and I would tune into the stuff that made me happy. You know, you talk about the happy land and the drama land. I was actually watching one of your Facebook live um, uh, broadcasts yesterday where you were actually um, talking about it, and, and, I, and I love that, that concept. Uh, Kelly, it must take a lot of confidence, right, on your part to, to face what, what reality is like for you and then, and then you know, confronting it and, and deciding that in spite of, you know, what, what life may be or, or how things may be, you're going to confront it and turn it around. One of the things that I admire, Kelly, you, you've done a lot of talks, you know, across multiple stages, and, and there's been a few where you actually take the mirror, you take a mirror up on stage and, 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 you, and you give your talk. What, what inspired that? Because I wanted to show people, uh, one, that the mirror doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. Now, we learned, and, you, and I think you watched my TEDx talk, I did. where I talk about ugly is still beautiful. Yes. And ugly is an acronym. So what I do is I show people how ugly can actually be a beautiful word. And so what I did is I decided I was going to have the mirror up on stage. Because to me, what happens is when we're like three, four, five, six years old, we watch this, the Disney movie Snow White. Mm-hmm. And when we watch Snow White, we see the evil queen talking to the mirror and the mirror has a face and so when you think and we hear that that voice come back mm-hmm. so what happens is when we're three four five six years old and we watch the movie snow white we learn at that age oh my god the mirror talks to us mm. and so when we look in the mirror and we 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 say these things to ourselves like i would say to myself in the mirror and i would say i am beautiful and the, the voice that I heard back would say, no, you're not. Mm. You're full of scars. You're not beautiful. Nobody is beautiful that has scars on their face. You can't be beautiful. And, and I learned that, right? Because that that's our ego talking, mm-hmm. right? That's not the mirror telling us that. That is our ego that's telling us that. And so when I take the mirror up on stage, it's, it's because I want to prove to people that the mirror doesn't talk. And that was what I did in my TEDx talk, is I, I talked to it. I, I said, am I beautiful? And I, the mirror didn't physically say anything. Mm-hmm. It's the voices in our head that we're listening to. And so we can change those voices. And we can change those voices by actually asking a whole different question. So instead of me saying, am I beautiful? And I'm going to get my ego saying, no, you're not, because you, when you compare yourself to all the other women who are beautiful, you don't look anything like them, and they don't have scars, so you're not beautiful. So I changed the conversation with myself, and I said to myself, I love my big, beautiful green eyes. Hmm. And my ego couldn't say anything because it's true. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe I have big, beautiful green eyes. And then I said, I love my cute little nose. And again, my ego couldn't say nothing because it's true. I do love my cute little nose. And then I looked at my ear and I said, I have to love my cute little ear. Yeah, it's deformed and it, you know, it doesn't look normal like other people's ears. But I love my cute little ear. It makes me special. It makes me different. It makes me unique. And there was a time when I was actually going to get a new ear made. 
And then I asked myself, am I doing this for me so that I feel beautiful or am I doing it so that somebody looking at me mm-hmm. is more comfortable with how I look? Mm-hmm. And wow. that was when I realized the reason I was doing it was for somebody else. It wasn't for me. Wow. And I thought, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I love my ear the way it is. If I, cut, if, if I do this, they're mm-hmm. going to cut my ear off and mm-hmm. it's going to be gone. Wow. I'm not going to have an ear. Then they're going to make a mold. And I'll have a prosthetic ear, and I'll have a snap-on ear. But I was like, with that, it's not even going to help me hear better. Right. So what's the point of doing this? Wow. Wow. Right? And then that same day, I looked at, you know, I had my favorite jeans on, and I turned around, I looked at my bum in the mirror, and I said, you know what? I happen to love my cute little hot ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and then the next time I looked in the mirror, I didn't see all those ugly things about me. I started yeah. to see all the great things about me. Yeah. And so when I talk to people and I, I'm on stage and I, you know, even talking to schools and young women or even, you know, regular women, I just like, you know, like we've, we've got to stop being so hard on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to keep, like, quit judging ourselves yeah. for what we look like because it's not what we look like. Yeah. And the societal pressure, right, that, that comes with that. I mean, we're, we're comparing ourselves. I mean, we're seeing, you know, the ideal models, right, and, and how they look and, you know, and all that. And there's so much pressure on us, right, to, tr- to strive to be, to fit into that kind of mold, to be accepted but, by society. But, Kelly, one of the things that you mentioned growing up was you, 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 you said that you, you tuned people out. Um, I've interviewed quite a number of guests on my show um, in previous episodes who've 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 said something similar, right? Knowing knowing who to let in, right? Tuning out the negativity and, and allowing that positivity. Were were there any did you have any support system, perhaps friends and family who you had to rely on to, to get you through while you're tuning out some of that negative stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my family was very supportive. So anything I wanted to do, they they let me do it. They they weren't gonna let anything stop me. When I wanted to join the cheerleading squad, I mm-hmm. did it. When I wanted to ride horses, I did it. When I wanted to join 4-H and get up on stage and do my first speech at 13 years old, Mm -hmm. I did it. So my mom never held me back from anything. She's just like, if you want to do it, you do it. Mm -hmm. My doctor actually threatened my mom. When, When they were releasing me from the hospital when I was two years old, my doctor said to my mom, if you don't treat her like a normal child and put her in school, we will take her away from you and we will put her with a family who will. Oh, wow. And my mom's like, no, 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 she's got scars. We don't care about the scars. We love her just the way she is. And so um, my family was extremely supportive. Like, they just treated me like a normal person. And, you know, other than every second summer, I'd have to go to the hospital. And so, you know, that was challenging for me. Absolutely. My mom, she blamed herself. My mom was only like 20, 21 years old when I got burnt. And so she had tremendous guilt because mm-hmm. she thought it was her fault. Mm-hmm because she was going to keep me inside to change my diaper, but she decided not to. And it wasn't until two years ago when my mom saw my documentary for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, okay, I get it. Wow. I'm supposed to help people. This is why you did this, or this is why this happened to you, is because I'm supposed to also help people. It wasn't my fault you got burnt. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine the, the, the level of guilt or the, the intensity that, that she had to deal with, right? And perhaps people maybe even calling her, you know, negligent and, 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 and all sorts of things. And the pain that, 
that you'd have had to deal with, right? Watching you grow up and watching you go to the hospital every two months and then all. But Kelly, did you did you hate yourself? Did you go through moments where, where you hated yourself and, and, and questioned Absolutely. why you were in life? Yeah. How was that like for you? Absolutely. There's there's times when I've hated myself. Um, you know, like I feel I have a very tough life. You know, like even now I'm single and I'm in the dating world and it's like, oh my God, like why, why doesn't that good looking guy want me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? It's like, you know, what, what, why can't I be beautiful? Mm -hmm. Right? Like I know I'm beautiful deep down, but I still have those moments when I think, why am I not that beautiful mm -hmm. girl? Right? Like that beautiful girl doesn't have to try. Mm -hmm. I have to try. Like I have to work hard to find a man to mm -hmm. love me. Whereas that beautiful girl, she just has to give him the look and, you know, he's hers. Mm -hmm. And that was how I grew up. It was just like, why is it so hard for me? And so there was many times when I've hated myself. I've hated the way I looked. I've hated the way my life turned out. I've hated the way how hard my life is. Um, things don't come easy to me. I have to work my butt off. Uh, even me getting up on stage, mm -hmm. it's not easy for mm -hmm. me. But I do it because I know that that was the reason I'm alive. That's because I'm supposed to inspire people to love who they mm -hmm. are, no matter what they look like. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the misconceptions about about you and I and people who do this, you know, whole inspirational thing, that there is this assumption that you know, you, but life life is always great. That you, you always have it together. That you must have your life straight for you to be able to do that. But what is not often realized is that behind the scenes, there's a lot of of pain, right, and, and struggles, right, just, just like just like your own life. And, and, and there seems to be a dichotomy. Here is an inspirational speaker, a motivator, a coach, or whoever, who's supposed to be make me feel good. But then little do they know that you have to get yourself there as well. You have to get yourself inspired. You have to get yourself up to that point to be able to inspire others. But Kelly, what, what is it that, how, how do you motivate yourself? I mean, I'm sure there are you know, even even for for folks who haven't gone through um, <laughs> what what you've been through, sometimes just getting out of bed in the morning to stay motivated is, is, is a lot of hustle, right? And for you, with all the challenges and everything else that you had, that you're still dealing with, I'd imagine. How do you stay motivated? You know, and that's an, an amazing, that's an awesome question because it's true. Like sometimes people think, okay, you're a speaker, you're a best-selling author, you've done all these TED talks and you know, you're coaching people and you're doing so amazing. Like, it must be so easy for you. But it's, it's every day. It's every day I have a choice. Like, sometimes for me to get out of bed is like mm. pulling teeth. Mm. It's like, come on, girl, get out of bed. Right? And so something that I do is that, like, I will schedule meetings first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. So, like, with with inspiring people though there are mm -hmm. people that like my TEDx coach for example mm -hmm. like we had a meeting first thing this morning and I purposely scheduled it that way so that it makes me get up mm -hmm. right um, something else that I do is music mm -hmm. there are certain songs that I know that they don't make me stay in bed for a week mm -hmm. but there's certain other songs I can play that they invigorate me they empower me and they physically make a brain shift for me. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm inspired. And even like, you know, not yesterday, but the day before, you know, with this whole virus thing, like mm -hmm. we're all being bombarded yes. with negativity. Yes. And so 
it was funny. I, I went on YouTube, put it on my TV, and they have like a happy music channel, and it's all happy songs. And I was like, all of a sudden, I was like moving and dancing in my mm-hmm. kitchen, and I was like, see, this works, yes. right? Like. It, it was the music that like kept me motivated. Yeah. Um, then I also have like certain speakers that yeah. motivate me. Yeah. So I'll go on YouTube and you know, we are so lucky we're in this age, in the digital age and we've got access to, you know, motivating videos yes. at, at our fingertips. Yeah. And so if I'm feeling like not in the mood for anything, I'll go listen to Will Smith. Yeah. Or I'll listen to Lisa Nichols yeah. or, you know, Tony Robbins yeah. or, you know, some of those speakers that I know and love, and I get motivated by them. Yeah, yeah. And I think it speaks to this whole uh, idea of being being intentional, right? And that's one of the things that, that I do in my, my family. I mean, that's intentional is, is our theme for this year. But be, being intentional about, about what you do, and, and you, you rightly said, I mean, yeah. we all have, you know, our whys, right? And my uh, episode last two weeks, I think it was, I was talking about staying motivated and, and finding your, your why. So whatever it is for, for me, it's, it's my faith, it's, it's, it's my trust in God, and, and it's just believing that in spite of all that, that negativity, there's, there's something out there. But again, on, on one of the shows, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I can't remember which one, and I think you said a friend of yours had either called you or was, was telling you that everyone else, right, everyone is going to get the virus, and you decided to not listen. And Can, can, you, can you share a little bit about that? Because even yeah. though we're not talking about the virus, I think it comes down to that whole being intentional about what you do with all that negativity. I think it's more of a principle than, than, than the virus thing. But I, it's so, it blessed me when I heard you say that, that you decided not to listen to her. And, and can, can you share a little bit about that with our audience? Then? Yeah, absolutely. Well, she sent me a text message. And actually, I sent her a text message saying, hey, how are you doing? And she said, you know, oh, yeah, I'm good. And I said, looks like we're all going to get that virus, hey? Is anybody in your family sick? And I'm like, no, nobody in my family is sick. And no, we're not all going to get the virus. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I heard in the news that up to 70% of us are going to get it. Mm. And I said, well, I don't believe that. And so I, that was it. That was the end. I don't believe that. And then it was like, okay, so what else can I do? How can I inspire myself that I don't have to buy into what she says? Yeah. Right? And so now we're hearing about all this good news of stuff that's happening with Mm -hmm. the virus. And Mm -hmm. in fact, one of my suppliers that makes my blankets, he's in China. And so he sent me an email. He said, hey, Kelly, how is your family doing? You know, because you're going through this virus. You're in Canada. And he knows. He hears the news. And I said, well, we're doing good. We're in self-isolation. Nobody's sick here. He goes, okay, stay that way. Stay Mm -hmm. in isolation. And he gave me some tips to do. And he said, and I asked him, well, how long were you guys in isolation? He goes, well, for 30 days. And I said, okay, 30 days. No big deal. We can make this happen. And so I chose to, you know, go and pay attention to the people who are spreading good news about the virus. And then what I did is I did my own video. And in my video, you know, I talked about what I was doing to keep my head on, you know, and, and how I was supporting myself and supporting my friends and family. And, and, you know, and I did a little video about, you know, how, like, here I am cooking mm-hmm. with my son. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm trying something new and I'm making dill pickle trip dips. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, oh, now I'm painting. And, you know, so... 
so that was what I did was I decided to focus on all the good stuff that was going on in my life. I love that, Kelly. And, and speaking about good stuff, um, you're, he, he, here you are with every reason, you know, not to do anything, right? Every reason not to, to hate the world, every reason to, to hate people, every reason to just sit where you are and, and decide not to do anything. But one of the things, Kelly, that you do um, is you, you, you teach painting classes and, and you, you've, you use that as an outlet uh, as a form of self-expression and play and, uh, and as a workshop. And, and this has also, I think, um, become, I think it was in, in, the inspiration behind your, your Blankets for Burn Kids project. Can you share a right. little bit about that? Because I, I think a lot of us go through life, Kelly, and we, we go through tragedy, right? And, and we, we, we let that stop us. I mean, we, we have every reason we're not going to, life is not fair. I'm not going to give back, you know, look at me, look at my scars and all of that. But you, you've not let that stop you. You're actually using that to bless other people. You're teaching painting classes, you're speaking, you're doing workshops, and you have blankets for kids. How does one get to that point where you, you overlook your own needs, right, and, and look at other people and, and start giving? I think that's really a powerful concept that a lot, of, a lot of us miss in life. Can you share a little bit about how that came about and, and what, led, sure. what led you to do that? I would love to share about that. I think that's great. So um, I know because you've been watching my Facebook Lives that I've been doing all week, and what I've been focusing on is my Perseverance Toolkit. And so this is, you know, 10 tools of different things that I do when I want to persevere through life. And when life gets tough, these are things I do. So one of the tools that I talked about was the possibility tool. Now, the possibility tool goes like this. It says, what else can I do? So a lot of times what happens is we get stuck that if we have a job, and a nine-to-five job, we think that's the only thing we can do and the only thing we can make money, money at and if we don't have a job, we can't make money, we can't support ourselves, we can't support our passions, nothing. So the possibility tool says, what else can I do? What else is possible for me? So this leads me to five years ago. And so five years ago, it was uh, Family Day. We have a, a national holiday in Canada called Family Day, and it's mm -hmm. in February. And on Family Day, my best friend, Carrie Cohan, and I were, were really upset because we didn't have our kids with us. Our mm -hmm. kids were with our exes. And so I said, you know, life is good, but I'm getting kind of bored, mm -hmm. and I need something new. I don't know what else, you know, and I was struggling a little bit financially. And she said to me, Kel, I see you as a painter hmm. making thousands of dollars, and she's a psychic. And I just said, you know what, you're full of shit. Like, I'm not a painter. I'm not going to paint. And she goes, well, let's go to paint night and paint. Because she thinks she's got to get me painting. Because she knows this is the direction I'm supposed to go mm -hmm. in. And I said, no, I don't want to go to paint night. I want to go drink wine in your hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. I won. For once, I won. With her, when we have battles, she usually wins. But this time, I won. So anyways, the next day, I go home. And... Um, I'm on Facebook, and I see this painting. And I said, oh, my gosh, i got to learn how to do that. And so I asked my friend, how did you learn to do this? And she told me the name of the artist that taught her. And I got upset because the artist was actually in the U.K. And I'm mad because I'm thinking, well, how am I going to learn from her? Mm -hmm. I want to go take a course right now and learn how to paint. Well, then I remember we have that little, you know, amazing... Uh, search engine called YouTube <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And I looked up her name, and sure enough, she had all these videos about how to paint like her. So I'm watching these videos, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Uh, and But I'm, it's nap time for me, because it was 3 o'clock, right? And that's what I would do. That's how bored I was with my life. At 3 o'clock every day, I'd go for a nap. So I go upstairs, and I say to myself, okay, what does my heart say? And I heard that little voice say to me, go paint. Hmm. And I said, nah, I don't want to paint. What does my heart say? And then this time I heard louder, get up and go paint. Hmm. And it was literally yelling at me. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, I had won a paint kit a year before that. And in this paint kit, it had four canvases, had all the paint, the brushes, the easel, had everything for me to paint. So I start painting. And I'm painting and I'm painting. I use up all the canvases. I take pictures. I put them on Facebook. And all of a sudden, everybody's liking and commenting on them. And people are asking me to buy my paintings. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what the hell is going on here? And so this one lady emails, Facebooks me, and she says, Kel, I want to buy that painting. How much? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, I don't know how much. I've only been painting one day. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> and and I'm thinking, one day, I've been painting one day, and people want to buy my painting. And I said, well, I don't, I said, how much do you want to pay? How much do you offer? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I'll pay you $150. Mm. And I said, sold. So in one week, I made like $1,000 wow. just off my paintings. And so I kept painting. My kids were like, Mom, you got to keep painting. You're making money, and everybody's buying your paintings, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, crazy. I, I th- My kids would come home, and they'd be like, Mom, what did you paint today? And I had, like, three or four more paintings done. And they're like, Mom, you're, like, awesome, right? Like, my kids were so supportive of me painting. And so so then what happened is I found a way to get my blank, my painting put on a blanket. And I sent away to China, and I got five of these blankets made. Wow. And I loved them. I was like, oh, my God. And so I pre-sold like a hundred of these blankets Mm. that said, you are loved, you are needed, you are wanted. Mm. And what I would do is I would go around to different rotary clubs and different service clubs, and I would ask them to sponsor blankets. And then people would sponsor blankets, and then I would give them to the burn kids at summer camp. Mm -hmm. And so um, then people were wanting to buy them for themselves. Mm And so I would sell them blankets also. And so I, I have something like 3,000 blankets made, and wow. I've either sold or given away like 2,000 wow. of these blankets. And so I started up the, the fund. It's called the Blankets for Burn Kids. And so, yeah, so different burn camps across Canada have all have received blankets that say, you are loved, you are needed, you are wanted, which was my painting. Okay, I want to come back again to... Um, again, move perhaps more into, you know, the the, the bigger things that you're doing, right? The, you know, you talked about the blanket thing. And there is a, talk to us about the movie, right? I mean, there is a movie that that was made about you, it was about your story. Yeah, the documentary, Still Beautiful. How did that happen? Well, that was the the whole um, email that I sent to Brian. And um, Brian is uh, a broadcaster, 
And so what happened is, you know, I heard that little voice say to me, you know, email that proposal to Brian. And so I did. And I said, Brian, you know, I'm being encouraged to make my doc, my book into a documentary. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is something you're interested in or not, but, you know, here it is. And so when I emailed it to him, he said to me, he said, there's no stupid ideas. Do you want to produce this documentary by yourself? Or do you want to co-produce it with us, and then we will put money into the pot? And I said, absolutely. I definitely want to, you know, co-produce it with you guys, because then I'll know it's also going to be on TV. And so that's what we did, is for um, two years, we worked on actually, you know, writing it and producing it. They came to my to my own town, and they filmed me for five weeks. Wow. We actually even went down to San Francisco, and they filmed a talk that I did. And we also met one of my burn survivor friends there. And um, so they filmed her also. And then what we did is we filmed me doing a talk to 3,000 teenagers. Wow. And that's in the documentary, along with they actually recreated my accident. Hmm. So this is the most intense part of the documentary is where they've recreated the the accident of me getting burnt. Mm-hmm. And they just did an incredible job recreating that. Um, my hospital scenes and growing up at school and being teased and bullied and mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah, they did a phenomenal job with this documentary. Um, so what? Kelly, if, if you were to look back, and I'm sure growing up when you went through this this tragedy, you, you had you had no idea uh, of of how things were 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 going to turn out for you. If you had to to talk to that young Kelly at, at that young age, right, your younger self, um, going through life, perhaps you know the challenges and the bullying and all of that, and, and what will you tell that young Kelly? What would you tell your younger self? Oh, that's a very good question too. Um, I would tell her to be patient and that there's a reason and that everything's going to work out always. And, you know, the, we all have a purpose and we all have lessons that we need to learn and things that we're going to teach ourselves, things we're going to teach other people. And, you know, I mean, I even also lost a baby. Hmm. Uh, my daughter's 20 and then, a year and a half after she was born, I lost a, a stillborn baby. I got to 28 weeks, and then she passed on, and I had to deliver her. And then uh, two years later, I had twin boys. And so if I would have had her, we never would have had the twin boys. And so I honestly believe that there is a reason for everything mm-hmm. in life. The, you know, when you think about the story of a two-year-old who gets burnt to 75% of her body and is teased and bullied and has to go through all these horrible surgeries and, and almost dies multiple times. And you think, oh, my God, that is horrible. That poor little girl has such a horrible life. But then when you hear that that little girl turned into, you know, a multiple TEDx talker, mm. five-time best-selling author, mm. inspiring people around the world, and she's got the YWC Woman of Distinction yes. Award and a medal from the Queen, yes. and, you know, and a video that has inspired over almost 10 million people. Wow. 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 Do you really think that that two-year-old getting burnt is such a tragic story? No. No. Right? And, and that's what I believe is that a lot of people have to start seeing their lives in a whole different way. Yes. 
right? Because now when I look back at my life and I think, really, was it really that bad? Look at all this stuff that I did as a, you know, as a child and, and how horrible it seemed my life was. Mm-hmm. But when you look at all the stuff I've accomplished, is it really that bad? Yeah. Right? And, and, it, and that's the thing. And, and it's People all about pers- perspective, right? I mean, you, you, t- you talk about uh, finding, finding a reason behind everything, right? Reasoning in everything and, and, and purpose. And oftentimes when we, we think of purpose or what we're called to do, it's, it's, we expect life to be so rosy. We expect things to be, you know, um, stress-free. We expect everything to go so well. And oftentimes when we go through these hardships in life, and when we encounter one tragedy and the other, and we, it kind of stops us. We, we, we give up because we're like, okay, you know, now I've, I've encountered uh, you know, a brick wall and I'm going to stop right there. A lot of us give up when we go through those difficult moments of our lives. But, but you've just shown us, Kelly, that even in spite of the pain, in spite of the, the hurtful situations, in spite of the burn, in spite of the scars, right, there is, there is still a lot of meaning Right, and, and I wonder how many of us who are listening or watching right now who have given up on life because we, 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 we went through something, um, you know, something challenging. We're, we're talking about this virus thing, which I really don't want us to focus on too much because there's a lot of that going on. But even with this, people losing their jobs and the economy tanking and all of that, even that, you know, y- you got to have a different perspective to say, look, in spite of all that we're going through, something good can come out of that. You're, you're living proof, right? You, you've lived it. How do you make that shift? How do we turn on that different pair of eyes to see things from a different perspective? You know, and you, you asked the most incredible questions. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you're right. I mean, I guess a lot of it is just having trust and faith. Hmm. You know, like I, I lived through that. I mean, all of that stuff. And so I have to have hope and trust and faith that mm-hmm. there's going to be something better mm-hmm. come out. Uh, you know, look at even the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, our parents and grandparents had to live through the Great Depression, and they got through it. And so for some reason, I got this faith that there's going to be something good coming out of this. Mm-hmm. But we can choose to see the bad, or yes. we can choose to see the good. Yes. And, and, you know, that was what my Facebook Live video was today was all about, you know, the bad wolf and the good wolf. Yes. And I don't know if you've heard that story before, but it's, it's, a, it's an Aboriginal story. I have not, where, but I'd like to hear it. Yeah, well, and what happened is the grandfather and the son were talking, and something had happened, and somebody was, um, somebody was kind of rude to somebody. Mm-hmm. And so the grandfather said, well, you can choose, to feed the good wolf mm-hmm. and see the positive part of all this, or you can choose to feed the bad wolf mm-hmm. and make see all the negative and all the bad and, you know, see how it's going to harm you and all that. And so to me, who do I want to feed yes. inside of me? Do I want to feed the good Kelly that wants to believe that there's going to be some good coming out of this? Mm-hmm. Or am I good? Do you want to, you know, Sorry, do I want to feed the bad Kelly mm-hmm. or the negative Kelly that's inside of me mm-hmm. that just wants to believe that this is going to be a horrible thing for us? I mean, yes, there is going to be some challenges. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to say that this virus is going to cause us, you know, we're going to just have some temporary mm-hmm. problems and then everything's going to go away. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I'm saying is that there's going to be something come out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. but 
you know, I, I have faith in my God, my universe, my higher power, mm-hmm. that there's a reason all of this is happening. Yes. And even so, so much as, like, I remember in October and November, I was so busy. I had like 15 speaking gigs in October and November. And when December came, I was so exhausted that I could not get off the couch. And so I have a, my belief is that this whole virus thing has come out to help all of us to stop being so darn busy, Mm. to stop being like putting so much pressure on ourselves to be that multimillionaire that is, you know, continually striving for better returns and better profits. And, you know, every month you got to do better sales and do, you know, like be number one. I really believe that this whole thing is happening to us or for us so that we can get back to back to our roots. Yes. And Kelly, you know, that's, that's, to, that's really powerful. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you finish there. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, no, I just I just think it's 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 a way of us getting back to what really matters. Like, you know, I'm I'm getting phone calls and text messages from people I haven't heard from in months and months and months. Yes. You, uh, you know, and it's like, isn't this awesome that these people are reaching out that I haven't heard because we were too busy? Yes. Three weeks ago. You know, that's that's a very powerful concept, and and you you I think you actually hit the nail right on the head, right? It's it's forcing a lot of us to 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 connect, right? To to do things normal people do, right? In, in spite of everything else, I we you know family went out yesterday. We went through a restaurant, of course, it was closed inside. We. We we got our food, our burgers, and, and we sat right in the parking lot, and we and we just had, <laughs> we just had dinner, right, right there in the parking lot, you know. And this is this is not something we'd do, on, on a weekday afternoon. I mean, this afternoon we're you know family wanted. We took the kids out. They were on their bikes, and we we, t- we took a walk in the afternoon, right. I, I was working, of course, from home, and we took we took some time off, and we we actually took a walk. And this is something we we don't do. But again, we could focus on all the negatives and all of that and and miss out on on these moments, right? These are are the moments that, you know, no one can take away. So I I think I like that, and I think a lot of people are sharing it, our pastor are sharing it, you know, pick up the phone, call someone you've not spoken to, do something. This is a good time for me to to finish my book, right, that's long overdue, which I'm going to be talking to you about uh, offline here um, in a little bit. But this is a time for us to catch up in spite of all that's going on. Focus on something. Think about the positive. Because oftentimes I think you're, you're t- the, the bad wolf, right? We feed the bad wolf. We're looking at all the negative stuff that, that's consuming us, that we're missing out on, on the, real, the real moments, rather, things that, that that money can't really buy. So, again, I think this is really great advice for, for everyone, really, in spite of you know, what we're going through. We will get through this. I do believe that we will get through it. But we don't want to get through it and... and, and and, and having missed out on, on some of the things that we should have done. So, yes, it's tough. You know, companies are laying off and, and all of that. But let's, let's focus on what we have on our hands. This too shall pass. But when it passes, are we going to look back and say, well, gosh, where did time go, right? Are we going to say, look, in spite of all that, we're able to make something good out of, out of this. You know, listening tonight who was stuck perhaps in the past, uh, in the pain or, or whatever they may have gone through that's, that's held them down. What advice would you give uh, to someone watching or listening? Well, I think, I think now is our time to really reflect on our lives and what do we really want to do with our lives? You know, like a lot of us are stuck in dead-end jobs that we hate. 
uh, some of us are stuck in toxic marriages that we're not we're not happy with. Uh, to, like to me, this is the time to make that change. Like we're all being put on pause, it seems like, so that we can start doing the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like so many people, like you said, like they want to write the book, but they don't know where to start, mm-hmm. or they're just too busy doing everything else that they can't start. And so, to me, this is all about, like, let's bring the family back together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's bring our community back together. Yes. And, it, and it's so amazing hearing some of these stories of, you know, people who are helping other people. You know, like, a friend of mine came back from Phoenix back into Canada, and, you know, her family got together and made sure that she had groceries mm. because, you know, now she's going to be quarantined for two weeks. Mm. She can't even go to the grocery store to buy groceries. Mm. And so... You know, it's, it's so amazing hearing, you know, p- how people are helping our seniors so that, you know, they can, you know, get through all of this, too. And to me, it's all about, like, it's, it's all about reflection. Yeah. And what are you doing in your life that you love? And what are you doing in your life that you don't like? And so many times, the reason most people don't love themselves is because they're not doing what they love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when, when 10 years ago when I decided to leave my husband, you know, I would look in the mirror and I would say, I love myself. And I'd be like, yeah, right. You're lying. You don't love myself. I hated myself. And it was because I was lying. I was lying to me. I was lying about my marriage. I thought I wanted to be in a marriage and I didn't. I wasn't in love with my husband and I didn't want to admit it because we were together for 24 years mm-hmm. and we had three kids. You don't want to leave your kids. And, you know, and then... The, the other thing I was lying about was my job, because I also had a job along with being a speaker. And so um, my husband had got laid off, and he said to me, it's time for you to step up to the plate. And so I was like, okay, fine, I, did, I will. And I, I got a job in like two days. And then what happened is about a year or so later, I decided I wanted to be a speaker. And when I got home from this event, and I said, I'm going to be a speaker. And he said, well, how are you going to do that? And who's going to listen to you? And I said, I don't know, but it's going to happen. And so, and then I ended up leaving my marriage. Um, and then four months later, I ended up losing my job. I ended up quitting my job because my boss said to me, she said, Kel, are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to? And that question hit me right to my core because I knew that I wanted to be a speaker full time. Mm-hmm. I did not want to have a job and be a speaker. I hated my job, absolutely hated it. I'd go to work, I'd close the door in my office and I'd be crying because mm. I knew that I wanted to get out and inspire people and help people. And that was what my purpose and my mission was. But I was so scared because I just left my marriage yeah. four months earlier. Yeah. And I also left my kids because my husband said the only reason, the only way he'd let me leave the marriage is if I gave him the house and the kids. And I said, okay. And I still saw my kids every day. But, but the thing was, I was in a toxic marriage. I was in a dead-end job I mm. hated. And so when I looked in the mirror, all I could see was everything I hated about myself. Mm. And it was no wonder I couldn't love myself because I was lying. And so when I ended my job and ended my, my career or my, uh, my marriage, I remember coming home from work that one day when my boss, asked me that question 
and I'm reading this Christian women's magazine, mm-hmm. and every second page I would see the word, follow your passion mm. full-time, and then follow your passion full-time, follow your passion full-time. And then I turned into the, the middle of the, the magazine, and in big black letters it said, why do you not trust that God will provide you everything you need? Wow. And I slammed the magazine shut. I was so mad. And I said, I know. I know you want me to be a speaker. But I just left my marriage four months ago. And now you want me to quit my job and have nothing? Mm-hmm. How am I going to be a speaker and, and, and you know, support my kids and get on my feet if, if I have nothing? I was living in a little bedroom in my aunt and uncle's old house. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And so... I said to myself, or I heard that little voice say to me, are you going to be excited to go to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to? And I went into work that the very next day, and I sent my boss an email, and I said, you're right. Today's my last day. And I packed up my office, and I left. And, this, and then I, I did my speaking business full time, and I thought, what if? Instead of being in an office for 40 hours a week mm-hmm. doing something I hate, what if I could spend 40 hours a week marketing myself? Where could I go? And that was when I became a speaker full-time. Wow. And an author. And, and I won the, all those awards. And I'd been to Africa. And all that stuff happened because I finally ended the two lies that I was telling myself. And so I want to share with your audience is, I know it's hard. Absolutely. I've been there. I've been there multiple times. I can't count how many times I've been in those kind of difficult situations. There was times when, um, actually, I think this was about six, seven years ago, and I was sitting at the end of my bed with my laptop Googling how to end my life. Wow. Thank God you didn't end your life, Kelly. Thank God you didn't end your life. But... I didn't because I thought about my kids and I thought about all the people I was going to needed to help. And that's what we're all here for. We all have a message. We all have a purpose. So we have to quit worrying about what's going to happen to us and feel that there's going to be something. We have to trust that there's a blessing in all of this. Ellie, thank you for such a powerful story of how you're able to turn your cars into stars. I want to thank our listeners as well for joining us today on Time with Fred. Until next time, have a great day. Bye-bye.